Hello everybody and thank you for attending Family of Grace. Here at Family of Grace, we pride ourselves in having individuals from all different walks of life who attend fellowship at our church. I got plugged into Family of Grace back last fall through Prince Board, who's one of our singers on stage. And he brought me in with the soccer team from Louisiana College. And after one Sunday here, I really enjoyed it and I felt like I wanted to come back and continue coming. And so I've been coming ever since then. And what Family of Grace means to me is it gives me an opportunity to plug into the community through an organization and a church that is more mission-minded than it is inside the church walls. So whenever I say that Family of Grace is mission-minded, I say that we do so much more than inside the church. It's all outside the church. We go out and we get the kids and we help them out. And that's what I really like about Family of Grace is their ability to get outside of the church walls and go do ministry in the area, in the surrounding area in Allegheny. Birthright. I woke up in the middle of the night, and this is what the Lord said to me. You have a right because there was a birth. I have a right because there was a birth. And what does it mean to have a birthright? Well, there were several thoughts that came to my mind. Number one, it came to my mind that if you have a birthright, there's nothing you've done to earn it. The right was already in place before there was a birth. The birthright came not by your own works, but by the work of the person who was before you, known as your mother and your father, and what they bestowed upon you. And... uh I really don't know where this is going, so y'all just hold on. Amen? But here's the verse the Lord gave me. There's a couple of verses. Here's where we're going to jump in. While you're turning in your Bible or on your smartphone, clicking away, I want you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8. And I want to read our background passage because this stays in line with where we are. We're not out in left field. Our background passage for this, this whole sermon series was this. It was, it's not that God's hand's too short that it cannot reach down and save us, nor his ear too dull that it cannot hear us, but our iniquity, our sin, has created a barrier between us and God. So, in Isaiah 59, that's the verse, 59, 1 through 2, at 59, further on, it says, But God looked for a man to stand in the gap, and there was no one. So with his own arm, he brought down salvation. How did he do that? According to Isaiah 7, The virgin conceived and gave birth to a son, who you called his name Emmanuel. Now, why did the virgin bring forth a son? Because there was a barrier. There was a barrier that needed to be removed, God wanted to do it with the birth of his son Jesus to abolish, the Bible says, the middle wall of separation, to abolish that wall of separation, giving us, an unjust man, access back to a just God. Now, stay with me here for just a moment. Then the next, so from the birth, there was this huge burden. The burden we looked at was that Jesus had a burden because he looked, according to the book of Matthew, that people were scattered like a sheep with no shepherd. And, uh, we looked at that sermon. Now, here's the thing that I want you to understand about Christmas. It's all about the birth. It's all about the birth. 
Christmas spirit is all about the birth. If you want to kill the spirit of Christmas, just quit talking about Jesus. The Christmas spirit is not in Santa Claus. It's not in consumerism. It's in Jesus Christ, what he did for us. Now, now I'm not going to get on a soapbox here. So let's ju jump to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to find this passage of Scripture, and hopefully the Lord will give us some direction. Romans 8 and verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation now except for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation exists for those who are in Christ Jesus because there was a birth. Now, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh. Stay with me. Underline this in your Bible. God did. God did. Boy, if there's ever a phrase you want to underline, there it is. God did. God did. He condemned sin in the flesh. How could he do that? He had to put on flesh to condemn flesh, to conquer flesh. God did in the flesh by sending his own son in the flesh like ours under sin's dominion. Now, you remember last week, that was what we looked at, the burden of life. That Jesus can identify with where you are because he put on the robe of flesh. He lived, he suffered, he was tempted, and he struggled just like you and I. Now, go a little bit further. It is, became the offering of sin in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those whose lives are according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. But those whose lives are according to the Spirit, they think about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit of life is peace. Now, stay with me here. Jump down with me to verse 12. So then, because of all this, brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die according to the flesh. But if you live according to the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body. You will live. And all those led by the Spirit, God's Spirit, are God's sons. Now, here it is. Verse 15. For you did not receive for Christmas the spirit of slavery to fall back into the fear again. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then we're heirs. And if you're an heir, you're a co-heir with Jesus. Seeing then that we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Let us pray. God, help us today. Father, you know the word you want spoken to your children. Lord, it's not the word on this day that I had to share. So God, I pray that you will give us direction uh, and guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this this morning, here's the thought, going back to it. You have a right because there was a birth. Now, here's a couple of things I want you to understand about this. I read this passage of Scripture to talk about where we were. We celebrate Christmas. You remember a couple of weeks ago I said, contrary to popular opinion, Christmas really is all about you. It really is all about me. Because 
if I was not in need of a Savior, if there was not a barrier that needed to be abolished, then there would have been no reason for God to put on flesh and come and live among us. The virgin came, the virgin gave birth to a son, not because Jesus got tired of exploring heaven and wanted to come on a field trip, but he came because we needed a Savior. God did. His own army brought down salvation. You with me? Okay. So when we think about that, there was a birth. With a birth came the birthright. Now here's the thing about a birthright. When it becomes yours and it's your birthright, then you have the power of what you do with the birthright. The first thing I understand about the birthright was a story, you remember it, of Jacob and Esau. You remember? Esau had the birthright. Now, everybody had a portion to the family estate. But for the firstborn in biblical times, it was always greater than any of the other, and any of the other siblings. And so Esau had this birthright. You remember the story? I'm not going to turn there, but he came in from the field from hunting. We know he was a man's man. He was hairy. He smelled like outside. And the Bible says that he loved to hunt. And uh, he, he was probably a Cajun, partially because he knew how to cook. I mean, because later, his, amen, bear with me. So later his dad said, boy, go ahead, kill me something and, and make me a good sauce picon. That's what we're going to call it. It doesn't say, but make me that. It was a good stew. A red stew, that's what a sauce become is. Now, stay with me. Now, as we think about this, here's what he said. He came in from hunting one day, and he said, oh, my goodness, I'm so hungry. Now, Jacob was not a man's man. He was a girly man. And uh, he stayed at home. He hung out with mama. He probably crocheted and all that stuff. And uh, he didn't know how to make a good meaty stew. He had beans because that's all he could buy. And so he had made this little bean stew one day. Esau came in and said, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. And boy, he came in, and uh, just, like, just like siblings, one of them says, well, boy, I've got this here. You want some? Well, yes, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. And he said, well, I'll give you some, but you've got to buy it from me. Amen. And uh, you know siblings. I remember one day I, one of the girls wanted to buy something. And I said, where would you get that money from? She said, I've been making my sister's bed. You see, the other sister, you, you're tracking with me. Amen? There's always this angling taking place there. And so uh, he says, I'll give you these, this lentil stew, but you've got to give me the birthright. And he said, oh, what good's the birthright to me? I'm about to die. Now, here's what happened in that passage of Scripture. He gave over the birthright, and he, he sold it. He sold the birthright, not even for a good meal, just for some beans. And uh, he hated what God loved, the birthright. Now, there's another story about a birthright. It's a New Testament. In Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son and the older brother and the dad. And you remember the younger son came and said, give me my portion, my right, what falls to me. And we know he went and he got his portion. The father gave it to him. He went and he squandered it on right, crazy living. And uh, he came back. You know that story? He came back and he said, Father, I've sinned and uh, fallen short of your glory. Would you just take me back and let me be a servant? 
Now, here's where we're going to pick up. Turn with me in the book of Luke, and we're going to look at that in Luke 15. Because one person sold it, one person squandered it, the older brother just sat on it, never did anything with it. The question is, what will you do with it? So, in the book of Luke, chapter 15, he comes back, verse 20, Luke 15 and 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while his son was still a long way off, the father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran and threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, look at what he says, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and then bring forth the fatty calf and slaughter him. And because my son who was lost is now, my son who is dead is alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. They came near the house. They heard the music, the dancing, and he summons them. And the servants asked what the things meant. And the brother, the brother is here. He told them. And he said, your father slaughtered the fatty calf because your son, your brother made it back home safe and sound. Verse 28. Then the brother became angry and he didn't want to go in. So the father had to come out because the brother was throwing a temper tantrum. And he pleaded with him. But the father replied, look, I've been slaving many years for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours came back who devoured your assets with prostitutes and you slaughtered a fatty calf for him. And the father said, son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we have something to celebrate, something to rejoice because your brother who was dead is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. So what does that have to do with us today? A lot. Because Christmas is about a birth. The birth was about a barrier. And therefore, if you have any rights, it's because of the birth. Only because of the birth. Think about it. Some people have more things than others. Why? Because of where they were born, the family they were born into, the genealogy. All those things are interesting. The question is, what are you going to do with a birthright? What are you going to do with what God's given you? Now, here's the greatest thing that God's given you. Let's don't get hung up on assets, okay? Let's think about what he really gave us. Because there we all were in bondage. We could not cross the barrier. We could not get to God. We could not get to where he was, but God looked at where we were. He saw us as hopeless and, in, and condemned. He saw us as condemned. And can I just tell you, we needed to be condemned. There was nothing good within us. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. On the best day of your life, there was nothing righteous about you. Amen? The best day of your life. I mean, think about it. The best day you ever lived, the most good deeds you've ever done, they did not give you the authority to get to Jesus. They did not give you access to get to Christ. They did not give Christ access to bring you to God. Your, 
Your good deeds don't bring you to God, but they almost separate us from God because we begin to take pride in what we've done, pride in who we are, pride in where we've been. But here's what Romans 8 says, and I'm telling you, if you want something to jump up and shout about this Christmas season, is that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters today, I am telling you that you were adopted. We read it in the book of Romans chapter 8. It says you were adopted out of the orphanage of hell. I'm telling you there we were with no hope, no direction, no peace, no future in our life, nowhere to turn, headed down a dead end road, camped out at the orphanage of hell. Jesus Christ came down there had prepared the way for the adoption. Now, if you know anybody who's ever adopted a child, a child, that's not an easy process. It doesn't just happen. You don't just wake up one day and say, I want a kid, so I'm going to go adopt one. Now, I know some people that have adopted them because basically they basically just pull the child out of harm's way. A parent just said, here, take it. I don't want it. I don't want this child. And it was an easy process. But anybody who's tried to legally adopt a child through the process knows it's hard. I'm telling you, they, they examine you up one side, down the other, inside and out. Why? They have to make sure, number one, that you have prepared to receive a child that's not yours. You have to make sure that you have prepared physically, prepared emotionally, prepared financially to be able to take care and be the caregiver of those children. And so what I want you to understand is that before the adoption papers could ever be filled out for you, that there might be the birthright imparted on your behalf. I want you to know that it had to take a sacrifice. There had to be something take place. And it was what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. You see, the Bible teaches us in the book of Romans, it says... It says that while we were far off, we were brought near by the blood of Jesus. Why? Because we were separated. There was no access back to God. Therefore, we celebrate Christmas not because God wanted to put on the flesh and become like man, but because we needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. Oh, one of the most popular songs right now is, Oh, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? I think we ought to change that song to Harry, did you know? Tommy, did you know? Betsy, did you know? Condolence, did you know? I mean, just every person's name. Did you know? The baby boy in Bethlehem came not just to walk on water, but because you needed a Savior. I'm telling you, Mary knew. Mary knew about Jesus. Mary knew all those things. She knew from the beginning that it was the Son of God. She, she wasn't mistaken. She didn't need to be convinced. She had an angel tell her, Mary, you're carrying the Son of God. Hello. I know that's a great song. I'm not picking on it. Don't get all mad at me. Uh, jacking with your favorite Christmas song of all times. But Mary knew, guys. Mary knew. That's why she went to Jesus and said, there's a crisis of wine. Could you please make some wine? 
And he said, Mama, it's not my time yet, woman. It's not my time. Why did she go to Jesus? Because Mary knew. The question is not, did Mary know, but did you know? Now, there was a birthright because there was a birth. How did Jesus have all the power and authority imparted to him on behalf of heaven? Because he was born of a virgin. Put on the robe of flesh. Walked where we walk. Dwell where we dwell. Live where we live. And because of that, God bestowed on Jesus not just the authority of heaven, not just the power of heaven, but the wrath of heaven. The stars went out in the universe. The sun no longer shone, not because God didn't pay the electric bill, but because the wrath of God was being appeased on man, his son Jesus, on the cross at Friday afternoon. My wrath was being charged to his account. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, made him who knew no sin to be sin, that I might become the righteous, righteous son of God. Think about that, the righteous son of God. Now, stay with me, and we'll finish up right here. The interesting part is this. The interesting part is this. Look back at Romans chapter 8. It says, now then, you did not receive the spirit of adoption in whom you shall fear, to put on fear again. But you have received the spirit of life. The spirit of Jesus. In whom his, you cry out, Abba. Abba Father. You cry out, Abba Father. To the heavenly Father. That you might be an heir. And if you're an heir, then you're co-heirs with Jesus. If you have a right, if you have a spiritual right, it's because of the birth. The question is, God gave every one of us a birthright, a spiritual heritage. The question is, what will we do with it? I mean, how do you really value the fact that you were pulled out of the orphanage of hell placed in the kingdom of righteousness. How do you value the fact that you are no longer in bondage, but now you're in freedom? I'm telling you that God has imparted a spiritual heritage to you. A spiritual heritage to you. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with the spiritual heritage God's given you? Esau didn't think much of it. He sold it just for a little pot of beans. I don't need this. I'm going to die. The younger brother thought, man, I'm going to live it up. I may not have it long, but I'm going to live it up. The older brother thought, well, I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm just going to stay here keep my head down, keep my nose clean, keep my dad happy. And then when he realized it was about something bigger than assets, he got angry. Why? Because he had spent his whole life protecting the family asset, and now he realized there was something bigger happening than just physical assets. And the father looked at him and said, Son, you, everything that I have is yours. 
And it really was because the other brother had already received his portion. So everything that father had left was the sons that was complaining. Now, you can sit on the birthright, you can squander the birthright, you can sell it. Or you can celebrate it. What are you going to do this Christmas season? I don't, I don't, this isn't an unkind statement. I know you may find yourself in difficult times. But that doesn't give you a right to reject the birthright, to squander the right, the right of Calvary, the right of Bethlehem, the right of Jesus. If you're an heir, then you're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. As you go through this Christmas season and you look around your house and you have all these packages. The real present is the presence of Jesus. The real present is the presence that was given to us who were far off, can be brought near. Now, what does that mean for you? I don't know. I know what it means for me. I know what it means for me. But I don't know what it means for you. Only you can answer that question. Regardless of where you are, God has a plan. Welcome back. I am Brandon. Hey, I'm Mar. And we're also your college group uh, coordinator. And the kids' ministry on Sunday. So we're just here to talk to you a little bit about what we do and um, what our vision is. So when we talk about the college ministry, um, it's actually more of a vision now, uh, waiting to take off. And um, I'm excited to be able to, to take this over and um, do different things with the college kids. One, because a lot of them are my friends. A lot of them, you know, I hang out with all the time. So I'm able to, like, get in their ear and ask what they want to do. Um, and different things, and I feel like I can be able to, to relate to them and um, stand up for what they want a lot better than, you know, someone who's 40 or 50 years old. So um, one thing that we have just done was for a dead day, we actually got a whole bunch of college kids from, from LC and LSUA, and we just came here, fed them. Um, we had a, a FIFA tournament and a 2K tournament, and we had board games going on. It was just a way for us to just get away from school one night and um, just fellowship together and have fun. It was you know, no strings attached. And, and just live life. So we want to do different things like that. And so uh, in the future, look for different ways you can help out with us with that by, you know, donating food or, you know, different things to where our college kids can feel love from a family of grace. So, Mar, what I'm um, talking about the youth, what do you, what do you, not the youth, I'm sorry, but like the, the kids ministry. Uh, tell me a little bit about what, what you got going on over there on that side. We are going through Elevate uh, curriculum by the Elevate Church. And right now we have probably 15 to 20 kids coming on a Sunday morning with normally one teacher and like two assistants. And we go through, it's a DVD pack plan, so they watch videos and they get to sing with the people on the screen and stuff like that. And so it's very personal and hands-on with the kids. So if you're wondering about joining us at Family of Grace, just know that your kids are going to be poured into just like Eli. 
Couldn't have said it better myself. So that's it. That's all we have for you. Um, I pray that you join us once again. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you.